0: Welcome to the To Love, Honor, and Vacuum podcast. I'm Sheila Ray Gregoire from tolovehonorandvacuum.com, where we like to make marriage a passionate adventure and not just a giant to-do list. And we are here for the last podcast of 2020, that year that everybody wants to forget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have brought Rebecca on. I'm going to bring Keith on later in the podcast just to kind of wrap up the year, because it's been quite the year for us. Yeah, it really has. We've tackled some big things and we've had some personal revelations and it's been it's been a bit of a slog but it's been exciting too yeah. so when i did the the year wrap up in 2019 i said that 2019 was the year that my eyes were opened because that was the year that we looked into love and respect and we finally saw what other books were saying and the panic button went off and i was like okay so this is why People are having such problems in marriage because they're getting such bad teaching. And we felt like we had to address that. And then, you know, you and I were talking, we were trying to figure out what, how to sum up 2020, and I think you came up with the best idea.
1: Yeah, the 2020 is the year where we became homeless. Yes, (laughs) spiritually homeless.
0: Yes, literally homeless in a way. I mean, you left you left your home behind. Yeah, but I had a new home. I was never actually homeless. No, but I mean, you left all your friends behind in the middle of COVID, and then you moved. Mind you, you moved back to your hometown, so you now live around the corner from me, which is wonderful. With the grandbaby, that is amazing. But because of COVID. Connor hasn't made any friends because he's mm-hmm. never lived here before. And so that's been a bit of a challenge. You know, yeah. you left behind your friends. Really good community. Yeah, because you had a great church in Ottawa Oh yeah, as well. And then you moved in the middle of COVID, so we couldn't even find a new church. Exactly. <laughs> And your dad and I were in the middle of trying to find a new church as well. I think we went to the church for one week and then COVID hit. Mm -hmm. So while COVID's been on, we've been shopping around different churches online, which is kind of fun. Actually, we can check out a bunch of different churches. But so it's literally been a year where we have been churchless and where you have changed everything. On the blog too, we felt a little bit unmoored. Like we've let the ship go (laughs) and we're not quite sure where we're gonna dock (laughs) exactly and I think I think what started it was for us this year we opened this year the very first thing we did in 2020 was we closed our survey
1: yes we closed I think January 1st right
0: yes so we were conducting this huge survey of 20,000 people And we closed it on January 1st. And then, so the very first thing we started to do was look at the results. Yeah. While I was on that cruise in January and February before COVID hit. (laughs) We were writing the book. I actually started writing the chapters and incorporating a lot of the quotes that I had from the books. And I think, I think we could sum up the main problem that we had with so many of the books in the Aunt Matilda story.
1: Totally. The Aunt Matilda story kind of takes the cake and it's very emblematic of a larger issue.
0: I'm reading The Act of Marriage which was written originally in 1976. It was like the book that everybody read before they got married in the 80s and 90s. I certainly read it before I married in 91. It's the book I alluded to in The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex that I said that I drowned in the bathtub. I never named it then, but I will name it now publicly. And I read the edition, which was the fourth edition. So it had been through different iterations. And I think this final one was put out somewhere around 98. Something mm-hmm. like that. And this story was still in it. Yes. So they had four opportunities to take the story out. And every time said, nah, this no. is good. This, this is
1: golden. This, is... this deserves to be
0: in the book. Right. And it was a story of this young woman who's getting married. Mm-hmm. And her Aunt Matilda comes to her and tells her how terrible sex is. Yep. Tim LaHaye, the author, is talking about how terrible it is that Aunt Matilda did this. And he explains that Aunt Matilda, when she got married, married this older guy. She was practically forced into marriage. Right. To this older guy. And then on
1: her wedding night, he actually does say that he raped
0: her. Yes. She was kicking and screaming and pushing him off her and he raped her. Yeah. And then he proceeded to rape her through the rest of her marriage. And so, guess what? She didn't like sex very much. <laughs> what? And and Tim Lahey tells this story with Matilda being the antagonist. Yes, because
1: it's so horrible that Aunt Matilda put all these horrible thoughts in her niece's mind about how terrible sex is. And
0: right. Matilda, and he actually says this, yeah. Matilda and her equally unhappy husband. Right, he calls the rapist husband equally unhappy unhappy to to his victim. And this was not the only story of marital rape in the best-selling books that we read for our upcoming book, The Great Sex Rescue, but...
1: It was the most blatant, it, it was, was the most clear, and it was the one that was the least nuanced, right? Because there were there yeah. were other instances uh, that talked about marital rape, but they didn't actually say someone was getting raped, they would say, like, I felt like I'm raping her. Right. Or, which, yeah. um, of course, again, we always have to say this, side note, if you ever feel like you're raping someone, maybe you stop what you're are. doing. Yeah. Stop <laughs> what you're doing and say, hey, maybe we should do this in a way that isn't, like, bad. Yeah, and evil. Anyway, but there were a lot of other cases where people talked about things where consent was iffy if it was happening, Mm -hmm. whereas this was one where it was very clearly not happening and the rapist was the poor puppy dog who didn't get sex the way he wanted it. So we had to take it instead. Right. And it's like, no, that's not a poor puppy dog. That's a predator.
0: Yeah. And as we started to unpack our survey results and we saw the trauma that so many women are going through Mm -hmm. and the fact that A lot of our evangelical teachings have really harmed, which is what we're looking at in The Great Sex Rescue is how have certain evangelical teachings around sex and marriage impacted women's orgasm rates, marital satisfaction, and rates of sexual pain. And as we're just looking through this and we're reading all of these open-ended answers and doing all these interviews, it was just, it was really heavy. And and we're so grateful to everyone who wrote in
1: open-ended questions and everyone who did those interviews and those focus groups because I know that it was heavy for a lot of you too to tell your stories again Mm -hmm. and to allow the vulnerability, like the vulnerability to allow
0: us to hear your stories and use them in our book. Yeah. Like we are blown away. And, and we want to say too, that even though hearing the stories was heavy and even though seeing all the results was heavy, the book itself is not. No, it's not. A, he- it's it's not actually, heavy. you're going to read it and you're going to feel so validated. Yeah. And, it, and it's just,
1: and <laughs> what we wanted to do was show a better way forward, right? Because mm-hmm. when we're looking at all these results, the unfortunate conclusion we came to is everything is bad. It's all bad. It's pretty much all bad, yeah. and I will say there are some books out there that are not terrible. Gift of Sex, by Gift of the Sex is good. Gift of Sex, um, is Boundaries good. in
0: Marriage. Yep. Yeah, there are certain books. That but really for the
1: most part, the ones on the bestseller list, the ones that are recommended to couples in distress, the ones that people reach for when they're struggling with their spouse, statistically speaking, are going to make things worse.
0: Yeah, and, and we now have we now have the the numbers to prove it. And what we realized as we're writing this is that in writing this. We're shutting doors. Mm -hmm. Like, we are burning bridges. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) We're not just
1: burning bridges. We are taking a year's worth of pouring gasoline on the bridge. We are very carefully making sure that no splinter remains. Yes. Right? Like, and then we are not throwing a match on it, but firing a flamethrower at it. Like, Mm -hmm. you cannot underestimate how little the evangelical complex is going to like us after this right
0: and 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 it's hard because all we're doing is telling people stories all we're
1: doing is
0: saying hi people are reading your
1: books and they're getting assaulted they're having higher rates of sexual mm -hmm. pain and they're being abused and all we're saying is can we please write books that don't lead to rape
0: abuse and pain and the do lead to things like mutual pleasure and orgasms for women and all of, like the do yeah. the do lead to intimacy and and people yeah. feeling good. But in order to do that, we've got to stop teaching some of this toxic stuff. And the problem is to say that we have to call out because it would be one thing, things. yeah, because it would be one thing
1: if our survey found that Kind of hearing these negative things or believing them even, it doesn't really have that much of an effect, so it must be due to something else. Or it's not that big of an effect, and maybe Mm -hmm. it might just be due to chance. Yeah. Because if that was the case, we could kind of just shut up.
0: Right. Right? And we
1: could just promote positive stuff. And we could just promote the healthy stuff. Yeah. But our research found that even if you believe healthy stuff...
0: Mm-hmm. believing harmful stuff still hurts. Yeah. Or even, and in some cases, even just hearing harmful stuff. Yeah. Even sorry, if that's you what I meant to say. It, Yeah. Even if you don't believe it, still hurts. And
1: we have all that's coming out in our book. You're going to be able to see yeah. it all. It's really eye-opening. But that is why... You know, we're facing all this and we're facing all this criticism and we're facing the knowledge that we're pretty much saying, hi, uh, we're never going to speak at an evangelical conference. Yeah. Most churches aren't going to let us darken their doors. Although
0: if you want me to come talk about sex, I'd love to. Oh I am, yeah. I give an awesome sex talk and that's what it's all about is just healthy stuff, but it's just, it's just that realization that, that speaking healthy stuff and means pointing Means become out, the enemy of a means, lot of evangelicalism. Yeah. And you know, last week on our podcast, the last two weeks have been really... Good, and we've yeah. so appreciated the feedback. We took on the the stumbling block thing two weeks ago. I think maybe my favorite two podcasts of the, of the whole year. Had been the last two. I think so. <laughs> you know, we did the stumbling block one two weeks ago. Last week, we we looked at the research that went into love and respect and the whole idea of unconditional respect. And I just wanna, I just wanna share some of the comments that we got. Like someone said, I love how you break down the basics of this flawed study in such an accessible way. It is so important to know the methodology behind data collection and reporting. This teaching unconditional respect was foundational to my own core beliefs about marriage, and I'm still in process of unlearning these ingrained thoughts patterns it's hard work and thank you for working so hard to help others understand
1: yeah and for anyone who hasn't seen the podcast from last week first of all go listen to it it's mm-hmm. really worth a listen but what she's talking about with the methodology is the study that showed um that men prefer respect and women prefer love mm-hmm. didn't ask women yeah. Just flat out they didn't ask women. Yeah. And they still drew a gender comparison.
0: Yeah. So. so we heard a lot of that. And then we heard a lot of things like this. My abusive ex-fiance used love and respect the book to try to manipulate me into doing believing and behaving in whatever way he deemed appropriate. I literally burned the book after I ended the relationship. We have countless stories, stories. like that. Like we, we started this whole thing in 2019 by sending hundreds of stories of abuse into focus on the family and they ignored it, which is why we did this study. And then we had this woman who said, I wish I had heard this podcast 20 years ago. I didn't know I was allowed to say this trajectory is wrong and I won't walk this path. And then I didn't know I was allowed to get counseling if he refused to go along. And then I didn't know that love and respect was so grossly flawed and it wrecked me to live it out. I'm trying to pick up the pieces and rebuild, but how much pain could have been avoided if I hadn't lived in deception for so long. And I kick myself for not questioning his research. I just swallowed it all, internalized, denied my need for respect and wrestled inside my own head how to unconditionally respect even though I didn't feel loved or respected. But it was the not allowed to thinking that was the evil. I'd been conditioned to believe that speaking up was selfish and disrespectful. So I stood silently by while I watched our home descend into pain and chaos. Climbing back out of that hole is a monumental undertaking. Thank you for your work. Even though I feel like you sometimes sound angry or have tunnel vision, but then I keep learning and benefiting, so I'm okay with some righteous anger. <laughs> yeah, we're angry. That's fine. I'll own that. Yeah. yeah, and I know that it does sound like we have tunnel vision, but like she said, this is why we have to call out this stuff specifically. Yeah. And, and this is why we feel homeless because we are calling out this stuff. And then... Even this woman who likes us says, yeah, but you have tunnel vision. And I know she didn't mean that in a negative way. But but there's
1: always been a place in the church for people who are zealously passionate for an area of justice for God, right? And our Mm -hmm. area of justice is just to stop seeing women get abused in the name of Christ.
0: Yeah. I would even say like my area of justice is I just want us to get back. To a Jesus-centered marriage, but we can't do that unless we dismantle the stuff that is hurting. Exactly. Another woman said, my husband and I started reading Love and Respect during our engagement. I found the book very triggering and upsetting, and I found myself disagreeing with it on the most fundamental level. My then-fiancé said we shouldn't read any more of the book once we'd read the first three or so chapters. I was always confused why this book is so highly recommended and endorsed. We started reading it together because so many people recommended it. I thought maybe something was wrong with me since so many people seem to like it. Hearing you voice my very major concerns with the book has really validated me and made me feel greatly relieved with really disliking such a highly recommended book as much as I (laughs) do. My husband and I have a wonderful healthy marriage and I'm just so glad we didn't come into our marriage trying to apply such faulty theology. Mm -hmm. So that's what it's all about. But in the process... What we've really realized is when this book comes out in March, we're going to be really homeless. And we had we had some pretty important people not endorse our book, even though they agreed with our book because they didn't want to be calling out others by name.
1: And that's hard because it is important work. And if it wasn't important work, we wouldn't have had so many people willing to share stories of marital rape with us. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. I mean, to be very vulnerable and honest on today's podcast, my major struggle that I've been dealing with for the last while is the fact that evangelicalism, Christianity has become so much about orthodoxy and believing the right things and having the right affiliations that I feel like we've forgotten orthopraxy, which is the actual acting out of your beliefs and a way of life. We have lots of orthodoxy about orthopraxy. <laughs> yeah, we have lots of beliefs belief about how about, we should act. About what is the right thing to do. Yeah, or yeah. Like, theology behind how we should act and theology behind how we should treat each other. Mm-hmm. But anytime we have a, a way for people to stand up and actually help people, actually do the taking up your cross actually do the self-sacrificing love, mm-hmm. which means losing a bit of your platform. Maybe it means missing out on speaking engagements. Maybe mm-hmm. it means not getting invited to the big conferences. When people are given that opportunity, a lot of people do take it, but a lot of people don't. Yeah. Um, and the people who don't are often the change makers in the, the yeah. people who could have a big influence. Yeah. And that's what's very hard for me is when you see people say all the right things. They have all the orthodoxy all lined up. They say all the right things. But when you actually give them a chance to practice it.
0: Yeah. You know? and, to and
1: stand up. And not everyone needs to stand up for everything. We right. don't have the emotional availability for that. Some people are a foot. Some people are a hand. But we're talking about people who work in this field.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Who aren't willing to do what's right in this field. Yeah. Even though they know what's right and they'll say it.
0: Yeah. And that's hard. What we found difficult too this year is not only are we homeless, we've realized we can't assume that other people have safe homes. Like one of the things I used to say all the time on the blog is when people wrote in for advice, like, what do I do about this? I would say, you know what you need is you need to see a mentor couple. You need to go talk to your pastor. You need to go talk to a counselor. You need to get some help. And I can't say that anymore. No, because what if we're sending them to a pastor who's going to recommend love and respect? Yeah. Like I used to, I was so naive. Like I (laughs) I can't believe how naive I was, but over these last few years, as I've been hearing from all of these women who went to their pastor, and mm-hmm. their pastor said, "Go read Love and Respect," or like like the article I published where the woman whose husband was having an affair and was abusive, and they went to the soul care program at Harvest Bible Chapel, and she was given this 98 ways you might be sinning against your husband. Yeah, exactly. Right, like oh my goodness. So it's like we can't we can't tell people to go to counselors anymore, like, unless
1: we say licensed counselors with whom like. you're feel safe and who are yeah. specifically like, we have to give so many caveats
0: mm-hmm. because the
1: church has failed so miserably to be a safe place in general yeah that you really have to be very careful who you trust even mm-hmm. if they say they're christians because not all churches act like jesus
0: yeah there's a big difference between churchianity yeah and christianity someone commented that about yeah. churchianity and we love that word and we're totally stealing it yeah Because there's a lot of churches that talk a lot about Jesus and that claim Jesus, but they're not acting like Jesus. Yeah. And I think that that divide is becoming more and more prominent. And hopefully in the next little while it will really become more evident because right now it's really hazy. Yeah, and that's kind of the problem is because it's all
1: kind of mixed in. There's your healthy churches and your and your really damaging churches or even mm-hmm. your kind of middle ground churches which is kind of 50-50 depending on which pastor you get or which couple you get because there's healthy and unhealthy people there. Yeah. Right? Like all those churches are all mixed in in the same melting pot. And yeah. it's like, I don't know which one we're going to get if we recommend you to go to a church in your neighborhood. So like if there's a more of a divide in some ways, that actually make our job a lot easier. Like if yeah. we could just just say here's like a denomination that we know is safe right or here's a group of christians we know is safe but we can't even
0: do that yeah and so what we're hoping to do with the book is okay this is our litmus test if your pastor likes love and respect that's bad (laughs) after even after
1: they've been shown the stuff because a lot of people like it because it's just got the christian label slapped on it
0: yeah right if your pastor doesn't
1: understand the issues with love and respect when hundreds of women say that it harmed their marriages then you got a problem
0: you know what? I gotta go get my Bible. I want to read. I want to read you my verses for the year. Hold on. Every year, I find that there are certain verses that God brings to mind more often. That I find myself quoting in blog posts more often. I know in 2019, the the verses that personally kept coming to me was "The battle is mine." Mm-hmm. You know, it's not yours. The battle's the Lord's. And and this year it was Matthew 20 verses 25 to 28, which kind of encapsulate everything we're talking about. So here we go. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be the first must be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Yeah, I mean, Jesus was saying right there, the whole point of the kingdom of God is that it's not about power and authority. It's about yeah. serve. Yeah. It's about service. And yet we have set up these authority and power structures within evangelicalism that are really messing up people and really messing up marriages. And that's what we're seeing again and again in a marriage is that... Churches are making it all about authority and power, and as soon as you do that, you miss the point of the kingdom of God. Totally, it really has been a difficult journey because I used to identify really strongly with evangelicalism, and now I have no clue what I am except that I love Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I want to get even deeper into Scripture in two thousand twenty-one. You know, I, I want to figure out what the kingdom of God looks like, how to make that real in marriage. But I know that we have to stop. All of this concentration on power and authority. And we've had really weird experiences with churches. We've had horrible
1: experiences. We've had some great experiences. And I just... When Connor and I were looking for a new church here in Belleville, we knew which ones we couldn't go to because we had bad experiences in the past. What we just kind of decided is we... I realized, like, I have never agreed 100% doctrinally at any church that I've ever gone to. No. Ever. Yeah. I've never agreed 100% doctrinally. And so I just decided... That I was no longer okay going to a church where what I disagreed on was that they were hurting people, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, we can disagree on a lot of stuff because it doesn't actively cause abuse to happen, okay? right? Infant baptism, right? Mm -hmm. Wherever you fall on that, I don't care. Yeah. It's not meaning that, you know, someone's getting raped. (laughs) Right. Okay? Theology around the elements or theology...
0: Charismatic gifts.
1: Charismatic gifts. There's a lot of different stuff where I I don't care because it doesn't lead to abuse in the same way. Mm -hmm. But I can't go to a church that believes something that would cause abuse to flourish. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to go to a church that's going to teach my son that he can't control his urges simply because he's a man, and so it's his job to make sure that girls cover up, right? right? Or Mm -hmm. that he doesn't look at them. Because that harms people. That leads to rape. That leads to date rape. That leads to rape culture. Just flat out. You know, I don't want to go to a church that tells women... Your opinions have less weight and you matter less in your marriage than your husband.
0: Does mm-hmm.
1: that lead to abuse? And it does not take a smart person to figure out how. Yeah. That yeah. is very, very and obvious. And even when it
0: doesn't lead to abuse, what we found in our survey is that it leads to much lower rates of marital satisfaction. Yep,
1: higher divorce rates. Yeah, yeah. it has lots of horrible stuff that happens. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to go to a church where people are told you're less qualified, you're less, you belong less in this place, you are less worthy, you're more easily deceived. Any, anything that compares people and makes some people more and some people less, even mm-hmm. if they say equal but different. Yeah. Anything that implies that one gender, one race, one one anything Mm -hmm. is better or more fit than anyone else, Mm -hmm. I am no longer going to support that ever because I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with being in a church that thinks it's all right to create a caste system within Christianity. And what I'm finding is that that was, first of all, difficult because I was like, okay, so there go 85% of
0: churches (laughs) in my city, but there were 15% left. Yeah, and we didn't even realize that. And no. that, what's been fun with COVID, actually, it's been awesome because we've been able to watch all the online services for all kinds yeah. of new churches. But what we have realized in all of this, in this year of being homeless, mm-hmm. <laughs> where we know that we burned bridges with the evangelical church, we're still trying to figure out what church we're going to end up in. You know, mm-hmm. I've found it much harder to even know how to tell people to seek help because I, I don't trust church in general. Yeah. Is that the way that change is going to happen is it's not going to happen from the leaders. Yeah. It's going to happen from the people in the pews. And and the great thing we've learned this year is that it is already happening. Yeah,
1: People are feeling like they can speak up now. Yeah, And that's so great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because if we have churches where the people in the pews are empowered to speak up to protect others... Mm -hmm. it doesn't actually really matter what the leadership does because the leadership won't be able to get away with it. Yes. Right? Like, that's the thing. That's what's so neat is we don't need
0: to convince the leaders. No. And I don't think we're going to convince the leaders. No. But you know what? The fact that there are so many people who listen to the podcast, who read the blog, who are really excited about this book, and, you know, we haven't gotten any support. From actual leaders of seminaries, of universities, um, big-selling authors, we've gotten no support at all. But we have so much support. We have some. We have support from a lot of those things that are that are not in the
1: the evangelical pocket. Yeah, we've got a lot of best-selling authors who like our book.
0: Yes, that are not in the typical marriage evangelical pocket. Yes, yes, but. You know, not from the regular powers that be, but we have so many support from listeners and and from you, just you in the pews. And I guess that's what I want to encourage you all to, because I think probably a lot of you have been going through the year feeling homeless as well. Mm -hmm. You know, with COVID, you realize... As your church attendance maybe falls away, and you need to find new ways of doing church, and you're wondering what church really means, you're wondering even who God is, and you're trying to to figure out who is Jesus, what is the kingdom of God? How can I strip away all the unhealthy stuff and find the essence of who God really is in my life? Like as you are going and being homeless as well, Mm -hmm. you know, we just we just want to ask you to partner with us and also let you know we understand yeah <laughs> we're we totally going through this too but just know that together we actually have a lot of power and yeah even if those leaders never listen to us when you share our stuff when you follow me on instagram when you follow me on facebook i've had so many things like my my threads about the love and respect podcast last week have gone totally viral when that happens we have an impact even if the leaders never see it Yeah. And I
1: think what I've realized, I had a really, really rough year that got a lot better in the last two, three months for myself. Like just realizing that life isn't all terrible with Mm -hmm. the church and there is hope and stuff like that. And the big thing that really turned it around for me was understanding that the goal is to find people who are following Christ Mm -hmm. and to just kind of go where they're going. Right? You don't need to be affiliated with a big church in mm-hmm. the same way to find your connections. I think it's important to be involved in the community mm-hmm. where you have people in your re- in your life. Mm-hmm. But that might be going to a church that you don't really agree with doctrinally, but they're nice people mm-hmm. who care. Yeah. Um, and then getting your kind of doctrinal feed, like Mm your, 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 your solid food kind of thing, you know, like you need milk, not solid food, that idea, like getting your solid food from watching Greg Boyd sermons or listening Mm -hmm. to podcasts from people who are really, who really know their stuff and who you, who can, Mm -hmm. you can really get feeding Mm -hmm. from and, but you, Mm -hmm. you find a community of people who know what it is to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And they care more about bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth than making sure that you submit properly. Yeah, And I think that's just what's been so encouraging to me is realizing that even in the midst of moving back to a hometown that frankly was very spiritually bad to me. I don't I mean, think that people from Belleville really understand how bad people were to me. Yeah, You know, um, but moving even back here, I have reconnected with so many people who I never would have thought would be my spiritual community, Mm -hmm. but they've just been such a gift because I'm reaching out less to like groups that I can be a part of and more, where do I see the body of Christ moving Mm
0: -hmm. and how
1: can I encourage that and how can I be a part of that? Mm -hmm. And I think that's just a different mindset than we've had about church Mm -hmm. in the past because church in the past was, where can I find a bunch of people who agreed with me?
0: Yes. Right? And it was all intellectual. All
1: intellectual. And how can I know that I believe the right stuff? How can I know that I'm a good Christian? How can I? Mm -hmm. And instead, if you just focus on who is Jesus and how can I look more
0: like him? And how can I love others? And how can
1: I love others? And how can I encourage people who are doing that? You know, Mm -hmm. you don't need to agree on everything. You just need to be people who are safe because you care about the lost sheep together. Yeah, And the lost sheep matters more than making sure that you have enough people in your pews.
0: Yeah, exactly. So that's where we are at. We hope that we've been able to encourage you this year. We promise that our goal is not to always have tunnel vision and be angry. I Yes, <laughs> like it really isn't. Said.
1: Like seriously. No, we have we, seven year plans. We have 10 year plans. Yeah, we're, we're, we're getting out of
0: this. <laughs> we are,
1: our entire <laughs> like occupational goal is to no longer ever have to talk about love and respect yes like, like we, oh my word we,
0: we don't want to be angry all the time no and, you know we really enjoyed doing the orgasm course together which i know that's weird because we're mother and I daughter know. because it was something practical it can like, help people Yay! <laughs> they aren't angry yeah <laughs> and like our goal is to not be angry but this year as we're Talking about The Great Sex Rescue, which releases in March, you can give us an amazing Christmas gift if you pre-order it. If you're oh going to buy goodness, it yes. anyway, buy it now. You if- have
1: no idea how much of a difference it makes to us as authors. If you pre-order, what mm-hmm. it does, it tells our publicity team, it tells our marketing team, it tells our publisher, and it tells Amazon. It tells, it tells everyone that matters that this book matters. Yes.
0: And then we get more dollars for marketing so more people will see it. So yeah. it really does help. So, you know, as it comes out, we have so much exciting stuff to share with you, our that's, I'm so looking forward to breaking that open in January. Yeah, um, as we lead up to the launch, and we are going to be sh- laying everything bare. But I really think it's going to be in a way where you're going to feel validated and vindicated, and and empowered. like you actually
1: have hope moving forward. Yeah, because that's the big thing that we want. For like, we feel like two years ago it was realizing we had a problem.
0: Yeah, right. This yeah. year it was
1: realizing just how bad that problem was. <laughs> yeah, and I'll tell you, this was a very depressing year. Okay, yeah. we were realizing just how bad this problem was. Yeah. Next Next year what we want is to give people a way to get out of the problem yeah that's what we yeah. want and it's gonna mean we look the problem straight in the face yeah we have to do that you have to yeah. accept it yeah. right you have to accept yeah. this is our problem yeah what we're excited for is with the release of our book we're gonna be able to not only say what the problem is but how to move forward
0: yeah and that's what we're gonna do and so i hope you will join us next year and this time next year we will figure out what 2021 is. And And hopefully hopefully
1: it's not depressing. Oh my word. Yeah, hopefully it'll be a lot better than
0: 2020. Hey, we just
1: wanted to actually let you know what was going on. So
0: (laughs) all right, I brought Keith on the podcast. Hey everybody. And hun, um in the first half, Rebecca and I were talking about our struggles with 2020. We've all (laughs) had struggles. Yeah, we
2: all have eh?
0: And, and how summing up we would see it as the year of being homeless. You know, trying mm-hmm. to find where we fit in the church culture, realizing we've burned a lot of bridges, and just trying to process all that has been... been... And
2: grown some new bridges. Too.
0: Yes, that's true. Very true. Yeah. But it's all been it's all been a bit of a yeah. challenge.
2: bit topsy-turvy.
0: Yes. So what what have you felt in this whole tumultuous year?
2: I think the big thing for me this year that's been different is I've sort of seen this as the year that I kind of decided I just wasn't going to stay silent anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, last year you talked about being the year that your eyes were opened.
0: Yes. And yes. Uh,
2: and so I, yeah, I think we both went through that year the same. I felt like my eyes were opened a lot last year. Mm-hmm. But you have a very different mentality than me. <laughs> so like when you see injustice and things that you think are right, you want to fix them immediately. right? Yes. Yes. Uh, whereas I tend to be a bit more like, okay, can we kind of smooth the feathers a little bit here? Can we work with people? That sort of thing. So I tend to be a lot more Non-confrontational. Let's That's say. what
0: makes you a good pediatrician. Yeah. You're like very soothing. Yes.
2: <laughs> and uh, and so you went straight into this is bad. We got to fix this. Whereas I was you know much more didn't have that sort of mentality. And and I think in some ways I didn't speak up as much as I probably should have. And this this year is when I kind of really started to say, you know what, it's not okay. Mm-hmm. It's not okay for that to happen. And it's it's got to stop at this point. We just can't keep having debates about whether women are allowed to speak in church. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's enough. Yeah. And and for me before, I was like, you want to respect other people who have viewpoints that are different than yours, but real people are getting hurt by mm-hmm. really bad attitudes that are out there. Mm-hmm. And so to me, being the kind of person I am, I, I want that to stop. And so part of making that stop is me saying, no, I don't agree with that. I don't think that's right. Yeah. Whereas before, you know, you could be the silent majority. Like most people don't have these extreme views. Right. And right. you sort of, you know that most people don't have these extreme views. So when someone spouts off an extreme view like that, you just kind of let it go but, you know, this is the year that I said, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to say, I'm going to put down in writing and blog posts. I'm going to say on mm-hmm. podcasts. When I talk people, say, no, I don't agree with that. I think that's crazy.
0: Yeah. And that was big. You started writing for the blog. Thank yeah. Thank you for that's that. That's a whole year of that now. Thank you for yeah, that. I've appreciated that. And I know <laughs> Thank you. I, I think what's nice is for people to see that you're a real person, too, because... Yes. With...
2: I am not a robot. Yeah.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> when people see me talking all the time about marriage, I don't know what they think of you. Like
2: Probably that I'm like some little whimpering, scared boy or something. Yeah, I don't know. Because <laughs> you're, you're, you're a real force of nature. Right, which is really... And I mean that in a lovely way. I don't yes, mean that as an insult.
0: But I, which is really funny because those people who know us in our hometown wouldn't see it that way because you're like this commanding force because... Oh,
2: my gosh. Oh, wow. I'm...
0: Well, I mean, you know, it's like it's like you do all this high-level ICU stuff in the hospital. Yeah, and, it. you know, we, we can't go to the grocery store without someone saying, you saved my grandson's oh, life and everything <laughs> no which is real, no it's true though yeah. and you were even nominated for a humanitarian award yeah by the ontario medical association well, no
2: it's just a local just a local body,
0: body. local body yeah. which yes although it wasn't,
2: it wasn't that big It wasn't provincial or anything
0: no but still yeah. Yeah, um, anyway. but yeah, you are a real person and we do have a real relationship. And yes, we do. Yes, we, we do. have a lot of fun. Yeah, we Absolutely.
2: do. And um, we've worked through a lot of the stuff that you talk about in the blog. And I think that's what people appreciate is that it's real.
0: Yeah. Right. I want to pick up on something that you said, how you realize that when real people are getting hurt, mm-hmm. it's not enough to just go along with it. And yeah. we, I, I think probably one of our most painful church experiences, if I can share this, it was quite a few years ago now. The girls were a lot younger, maybe in the 9 to 11 range. So it was it was a long time ago now. <laughs> yeah. And we were at a very conservative church and I was leading one of the worship teams. Yep. I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed my worship team. In fact, if I think back on that worship team, I consider that the healthiest small group I've ever been part of, even yeah. though it wasn't a, technically a small group. I just got to know the people really well, and, and it was a wonderful group to belong to And we yeah. practiced together. And hello, Anita, down in Little Rock, Arkansas now, because <laughs> she moved down there. But it, it was just it was a wonderful experience. I really enjoyed leading worship. Yeah. I put a lot of thought and prayer into it and picking songs. But it got controversial because the first day that I led worship, or maybe it was, I don't know if it was the first or second time, but what happened was before one of the songs, I said, as you're getting ready to sing this song, leave the cares of this week at the foot of the cross and just look to Jesus.
2: Mm -hmm. And I think the song had something to do with that. Well,
0: it was, it was, I see the cross. Yeah. So we're singing that song and I said that beforehand. Mm -hmm. That's all I said.
2: Yeah.
0: And... It started a debate on the deacon's board, of which you were a member yeah, at like the time.
2: The And the issue was, is this preaching? Yeah. Right. Is this preaching? A woman mm-hmm. preaching from the front.
0: And there were three other praise teams in this church. The other three were all led by men. And so the men on those teams could say what I said. One of them in particular said stuff like that all the time. But it, it became a, an object of debate because I was female.
2: And at the time, I was. it was very difficult for me because it was sort of like, I f- wanted to defend you because... I love you and I care for you. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I also wanted to preserve relationships with these men, because they were all men, because Mm -hmm. you can't be a woman and be on the leadership Mm -hmm. team. Part of me just wanted to say, this is stupid. And and, and I I couldn't do that. But it was was so hard, because I just really was trying my best to show concern and care for people who had a different viewpoint than me. But I really got the impression that some people just have the mentality of, we're right, this is biblical, Mm -hmm. and you aren't biblical if you don't agree that women can't preach. It's crazy to me. And so uh, in the past, though, I've kind of just shied away from saying that. But now I'm just coming out and saying, I'm going to say that. That's crazy. I mean, Mm -hmm. a woman should not have to be scanning everything in her brain that she says in church to make sure that it's not something someone would consider preaching. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. crazy. Why would we do that to women? It's not fair. It's not appropriate.
0: Mm -hmm. But it was a really difficult year because this debate went on and on and on you would come Mm -hmm. home at like midnight like these meetings went really late and they were just so draining on everybody I think what really hurt was nobody seemed to care that they were talking about a real person at least it didn't maybe they did and maybe they felt badly about it but it didn't seem to me that they cared they just wanted to make sure that I knew my place yeah
2: Well, and that's the way it certainly seems. That's the way it certainly feels. I I think that it very much gets down to a concept of people sort of think it's about an issue of biblical interpretation. And it's like we all, when we read the Bible, can bring our viewpoint into it. Mm -hmm. And we can read things into the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so the mentality is you people are feminists and you want to read your feminist Mm -hmm. interpretation of the Bible. Mm -hmm. But there's no acknowledgement that maybe there might be another interpretation that they're bringing into the Bible because they're just reading it the way it's written. Right, And I think that's so funny because last week in the podcast, we talked about how like these people who say, just read the Bible the way it's written. It says, I forbid a woman to teach. It's clear English. You should just believe it. It's right there. Yeah. Well, in the clear Greek, it doesn't have a command, but they put a command in, in mm-hmm. the Ephesians passage. Right. So they're not reading the clear yeah, to be
0: clear, you're not <laughs> talking about First Timothy 2 not having no, 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 command, no, 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 you're talking about Ephesians 5.33 not having yeah. command, which we which we dealt with yeah, last, and I, I'm last s- week. I'm sorry, I'm,
2: I'm not trying to confuse the situation, I'm just saying that the point is that we all bring our interpretations into things, mm-hmm. and being honest about that is the basis point of starting any mm-hmm. kind of logical conversation about it.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think what bothers me too is that there's this assumption that if you disagree about a lot of things about women in the church, so, you know, I've been very clear that I believe that marriage, Jesus is the head of our relationship yeah. and we should be following Jesus together. And my purpose on earth is not to do your will, although I do want to make you happy Aww. as much as I can. But, but you know,
2: this is exactly the thing is I would never want you to be entirely focusing on me Mm -hmm. i want you to be chasing after christ because
0: because if we chase after christ together that's the point you know the point is is to make sure that we're following him and and that's what i think marriage is about and i think in christian community that's what it should be about too is that we're, we're focusing on the holy spirit we're focusing on who the holy spirit is gifting and we're just letting the holy spirit move the problem is that a lot of people say well if you don't believe the way we do you don't believe the bible yeah i find that really funny because the reason that i believe this stuff is because of the Bible, not
2: despite the Bible. Yeah. Well, it's like I was talking about last week, too. There's there's believing the Bible, and there's believing proof texts that you're taking out of little s- snippets of the Bible. Out
0: of context, right? yeah.
2: Like, for instance, the person who once said to me that, you know, the Bible never commands wives to love their husbands. It only commands the husbands to love the wives. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you just missed the boat entirely, buddy. Because it's like they're taking this one verse and because it has to do with marriage, that's the only verse to do with marriage. Mm -hmm. The rest of the entire Bible talks about loving each other. Mm -hmm. And that gets ignored. Yeah. And it's like, are you kidding me? Like the whole context of the Bible is important.
0: Yeah, and when you look at the bigger picture of women in the Bible, you get a very different picture than what those yeah, guys in the deacons board said. Like for instance, Romans 16 is Paul writing his PS's at the end of yeah. his letter, and he says, by the way, say, say hi to this hi to so guy, so. say hi to It's It's, it's the shout-out
2: chapter. <laughs> <laughs> it's the
0: shout-out one. And he mentions 29 people, and of those 29, 10 of them are female. Yeah. And those, well,
2: well, one of them was a male.
0: Right. It used to be female, and then translators made it into a male, and then now translators different, are recognizing, story, no, yeah. it actually is a woman, yeah. because they didn't want it to be a woman because well, no, called it's because, her an apostle.
2: Exactly. So it was a woman, but then they called her apostle. So therefore, oh, well, and it couldn't be a woman, yeah. so we have to change the translation. Oh, we don't read anything into the translation <laughs> right but <laughs> you, know, you know
0: the earliest man it's definitely but anyway anyway junia yes yeah. but the point is like i wonder of these men who are saying they're following the bible how many of them if they had to name their co-workers and their fellow laborers yeah. in christ would name at least one-third women
2: exactly yeah i mean because
0: that's, that's what paul did when. Paul and that says, was
2: in a time where women had no education yes n- no prospects in life they were considered property of their husbands yeah. And this is... And Paul
0: still named one-third yeah. of all co-workers were women. And when he mentions them, he mentions them in terms of what they are doing for the gospel. The men, he doesn't always mention that way, but you know the women yeah. he does, like Junia the Apostle yeah. and, and all of these other ones. Well, I mean, I think
2: the thing is, to me, it, the most astounding example of that in the New Testament is the resurrection story. Mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. God was speaking into a time period where women were not allowed to be witnesses in court. Yes. Their testimony was considered unreliable. Yeah. And that was just the reality of that time period. Mm-hmm. And God chose, like, when Jesus rose from the dead, the first people who saw him were women. Mm-hmm. And they went and reported that.
0: And they and they were specifically told to go and tell the yeah. disciples. Yeah. So the very first apostles, the very first people who were sent to tell about the gospel, the very yes. first missionaries were women. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And so to me, there's so much of this current in the Bible about the empowerment of women. Women are equal to men from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. The differences are the fall. And to me, that's all very clear. And so when we come to these passages that are difficult passages, then we have to sort of keep the context of the whole Bible in check. So for instance, the whole thing about i forbid a woman to teach. I mean, we know that Priscilla and Aquila taught you know Apollos. Apollos and the Priscilla and, and was
0: the you, main teacher you well, <laughs> even
2: if she wasn't the main teacher mm-hmm. which you know whatever she was there yeah. it clearly says she was it, it it doesn't say I forbid a woman to teach unless she's with a man yeah you know it says I forbid a woman to teach so if you believe it you need to believe it, right? Yeah. If you think that's not appropriate, which I think is not appropriate, it must mean something else yeah. is going on. And so right. let's look into what that yeah, is. Yeah,
0: because Paul wouldn't have said, I forbid a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, if at the same time he was saying, Hey, Priscilla, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Well, he knew that Priscilla was yeah. teaching. Yeah. And, and so this is the problem is that Paul deliberately did let women teach and so we have to take that broader context into consideration when we're trying to interpret the bigger passages and that or the the more difficult passages and that's what people often don't do you know we had a question come into the blog that we're not going to answer don't worry (laughs) but I want to read it because it's an important one I'm always putting Keith on the on the spot making (laughs) you answer questions somebody wrote and said I thought of one topic that is of great interest to me that's not directly related to your go-to topics but I suspect that you may have thought about all women preaching in church. Mm -hmm. I've never had an issue with it and I really want to keep not having an issue with it. There are so many great females who teach including yourself who are using the gifts God has blessed them with. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's nice. But I'm struggling to get past the fact that the Bible says women shouldn't preach. Do you have any thoughts on this topic and is this something you've wrestled with? You know we do and, and, and we've been talking about this right now in this podcast I will say I don't want to go into this a lot more because I'm not an expert on this Mm -hmm. and there are some really amazing experts on this uh so I just wanted to bring this up because I get this this question a lot. And I don't actually plan on writing a lot on the blog or the podcast about it because I don't feel like this is what I'm called to do. I feel like what I'm called to do is talk about marriage (laughs) and sex. And that's what we're going to do now. This is just something we've been personally wrestling with. But if you've been personally wrestling with this too, then I do want to point you to some great resources. So one of the the best ones was Cynthia Westfall that we had on the podcast Mm -hmm. last week. Uh, She's written a great book called Paul and Gender. I bought it for Rebecca for Christmas. So (laughs) but She knows that already so hey becca as you're watching this that's going to be one of your christmas gifts <laughs> Surprise! Um, <laughs> you know but she's done some great work um M- marg Mausco, I, I i feel so badly that i don't know how to say how do you pronounce her last name is it Maus mouse Mausco? we've actually met her in person she's lovely this is embarrassing that i can't mouseco um in sydney australia when we were in australia a couple of years ago we had lunch i tweeted to margaret i said hey we're in australia can we have lunch? And she said, let's do it. And so we did. But she writes a great blog where she goes over all of these difficult passages. And I would say that's my number one place to go to first, because she's so accessible. And then if you still want to read beyond that, go into some of the really heavy theology books.
2: Got to tell you, her take on the Ephesians 5 section, amazing. Yeah. If you're into theology, it's really cool. She Mm -hmm. talks about some of the language. If you know a little bit of ancient Greek or anything, even Mm -hmm. if you don't, it's still really good. Mm -hmm. But if you do, you see some of the poetry and the stuff she talks about. It's really amazing. Okay, yeah, really good job.
0: Yeah, so we will we will put links to that in the podcast yeah. description and the podcast post that goes along with this podcast because I do want to help you all who are asking this question. I get a lot of people asking it, and it is something that we've thought about a lot. But it's mm-hmm. just not. I don't want to go into it all. No, for on the sure. Blog.
2: But the big thing for me that's different is this year is that in the past. I've always had the mentality of, you know, different people see things differently. And so there's a conservative, you know, side where people have a a view that women shouldn't teach. And there's another side, which, you know, which we're in that we think women should be allowed to teach and preach Mm -hmm. from the front. And we just have differences of opinion about that. What's changed this year is I've started to say, you know what? No, Mm -hmm. I'm not okay with that anymore. It's not an issue of you believe the Bible and I don't. And when people couch it in that term, my natural response is to avoid an argument and to back down. And I've just decided I'm not going to do that anymore. Like Beth Moore, go home Beth Moore. What the heck was that about? (laughs) Are you kidding me? Like this is an amazing Christian author who's got a lot of amazing things to say. And -hmm. to tell them to go home because they're a woman? Mm -hmm. Like come on, when did you get to the point where you could be that arrogant that you Mm -hmm. could talk to another believer, male Mm -hmm. or female, with Mm -hmm. that kind of mentality? And, and that's just what made, it makes me so mad about it.
0: And that's what I felt like when they were debating for a year on whether I was allowed to even say, leave something at the foot of the cross and look at yeah. Jesus. Yeah. That I wasn't allowed to do that because I was a woman. Yeah. I just felt like, first of all, that was really arrogant on their part. But also that was really hurtful. Yeah. For me, it was like, I, as a man, don't have to listen to anything you say because you're a woman. Mm-hmm. We stayed in that church for a few years after that. I don't know why, honestly. Like looking back, I think that that was a mi- well. We know it was a mistake
2: because we well, just want we want to preserve unity. We don't want to be. We recognize that our way of thinking is not necessarily the only way of thinking either.
0: Right. Right. But we had two daughters in that church.
2: Yeah, and there were a lot of good people there too. They're yeah, really most of the left. <laughs> that's the issue. A lot of churches which have a really not the best way of looking at some of these things have really, really good people in them. Mm -hmm. And and you do that for your friendships and and your relationships.
0: I think one of the things that I've realized this year is that when you stay in a church that is spreading harmful messages and that isn't necessarily a healthy place, but you stay because you want to make it healthy... And because you want to preserve those friendships, Mm -hmm. what you don't realize is that you can actually actively be doing Mm -hmm. harm. Because if you are a health, like we're we're very well known in this community, mostly because of you, actually. Everyone knows me on the internet, but people in our community know. She's more famous
2: than me now. No, you.
0: but but he's just so well regarded at the hospital (laughs) and everything. And plus your whole family is from Belleville and and your dad, everybody knows knows your dad. Oh my goodness. And so we're relatively healthy people, not completely, but relatively healthy. (laughs) We're
2: working on it.
0: And so when we go to a place, we convey the idea that, oh, these healthy people go here. So therefore it must be a healthy place. Mm -hmm. And when we're giving money and we volunteer, like every every church we've ever been at, we volunteered a ton. Mm-hmm. Praise teams, children's ministry, you run on the deacon's board. At the next church, we were really involved in youth ministry, all kinds yeah, yeah. of stuff, right? Yeah. Like when we, when we go to a church, we get really involved because that's what we think you should do. And so we're helping this church get its ministry going and we're telling people it's a healthy place and we're filling it up and then... When people go to that church because they think it's healthy because of all the work we're doing, and then they get in marriage trouble, and they go for counseling, or they go to, and the pastor tells them, "Well, you need to submit more." You know, we've actually contributed to the harm that's being done, and that's what I realized is that I needed to stop doing that. I I really feel like if people left the unhealthy places, then the healthy places could grow. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and and and
2: and the the thing that's changed for me is this idea of being beaten down with scripture Mm -hmm. and letting that happen yeah so for instance you'll you'll raise the women's issue which i hate that Mm -hmm. title because to me it's the power issue yes yes but the women's issue gets raised and people start pulling out their favorite bible verse to beach and you just kind of you kind of just don't fight because you don't Mm want to cause a big kerfuffle right um but i'm at the point now where i'm like you know what no i don't believe that and uh, you can show whatever proof text you want to me, I'm not going to believe that, and I'm not going to be intimidated by you Mm -hmm. saying that you know the Bible Mm -hmm. better than me. Because when I look through the Bible, when I read it from cover to cover, and I see the Jesus of the Gospels, and Mm -hmm. I see how he interacted with women, I don't see Jesus Christ ever saying, Beth Moore, go home. That's not the Jesus that I see in the Scriptures. He's so tender and kind-hearted and he's lifting women up in a time that you know they were they were not really cherished and respected, mm-hmm. you know, in society. And there were women followers of Christ. There were women who were supporting his ministry with money. Women were at the cr- at the cross, mm-hmm. right? Like women were yeah. very. Yeah, we central.
0: always hear that all of his all of his followers deserted him. It's like actually no,
2: yeah. the
0: women never did.
2: Yeah. But before you get too <laughs> proud of yourselves, women, yeah. it's because the women were considered such unimportant people. That mm-hmm. they could do that without being afraid. Yes. If one of the men had showed up, they would have been arrested as yes. well. But yes. women were not important, so they could. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which again is just the whole point I'm trying to make is that in that time period, mm-hmm. Jesus cherished and spoke to women. Mm-hmm. Like the Samaritan woman at the well, like he treated with such respect, you yeah. know?
0: And she was the first person to whom he revealed that he was the Messiah. Yeah.
2: So, so to yeah. me, You can show me whatever verse in Timothy or whatever that stuff, but how do you explain the Jesus that I see in the Gospels? If your little proof text of that verse doesn't show the Jesus that I want to follow, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to try and be like that Jesus instead. And we can figure what that verse means when we get to heaven.
0: Yep, And that's just what I want for this year going forward too, is to how to keep Jesus at the center in everything that we do and how to point people to what a Jesus-centered marriage looks like. And And it's
2: not about figure out who's got the power or who's in charge. Yeah. It's about how you serve each other.
0: Yeah. And it's been it's been difficult this last year. That episode with that church was difficult. It took a lot out of us. But I think we're in a better place now because we don't feel like we have to stay and prop up things that aren't healthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm excited to see what we're going to create <laughs> in the future. As we're getting ready to go at the end of 2020, I, I want to tell people about what I'm wearing because... I oh, wear yes. these all the time. So this is this is a big necklace. I bought this when I was speaking. I was speaking on my 49th birthday because Tammy forgot it was my birthday and she scheduled <laughs> me to speak for that Saturday. And We're
2: not big on birthdays anyway. No,
0: but then my 50th birthday, I was spent during COVID. But anyway, so I bought this and it says it says be strong and courageous. So I thought that that, was, that yep. summed up 2019 pretty well. I bought that in 2019. And then this one, this is a tree. We got this at the McMichael Collection, mm-hmm. which is an art gallery just north of Toronto, which features a lot of the Group of Seven. And the Group of Seven, I have loved them since I was 10, 11 years old yeah. when I first went to the McMichael Collection. They are a group of Canadian painters who focus on just beautiful nature yeah. paintings, Landscapes. Yeah, impressionists. And they did a lot of painting up in a couple of the provincial parks that we used to camp in, and we still do camp in. And we got these mugs there. I think these are Lauren Harris, one of the group of seven. And these are, these ones are of Northern Canada, but they're just, they're just my favorite artists. And I bought this tree there because this necklace tree, because many years ago, I heard a woman talking about some verses from Revelation 22. Do you want to just pass me the Bible? And I will read this. And I know that this is applicable in, so many ways and mine's the least of them, but it still means something personal to me. So let me just, let me read this to you. This is the last chapter of the Bible. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse, the throne of God and of the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. I heard a woman um, many years ago talking about how God had used this verse to her specifically. She was involved in a Canadian mission organization and she said she was reading this one day when she was praying for a verse and God showed her the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations and Canada's emblem on our flag is the leaf of a tree, the maple leaf. And I try to keep that thought center in everything that we do and that's what the tree is, and I I gave last year for Christmas, I gave Joanna and Rebecca and Tammy tree necklaces just to remind them as well that it is our prayer that what we do can be healing. It can go out from small town Canada. Rebecca (laughs) and I both live in a really small town, and Joanna lives actually in the Arctic now, (laughs) like like literally in the Arctic, in the road to nowhere. Beyond her, there is nothing. (laughs) And that God would take what little things we have, the little offering and that he will use it and that it will go out in the healing of the nations. And that is our prayer. You know, I know that we have so many listeners and readers from Nigeria Mm -hmm. and I would love after COVID is over, we would love to just visit Nigeria and do some training for leaders. I know a lot of people listen in Finland, which is amazing. (laughs) All, All those places. And of course the United States and Canada and Britain and Australia, but we just want this to be a healing message that, that God, when we put Jesus at the center, all of this power stuff flows away and it just comes back to Jesus and him being real in the transformation of our lives and that that is our prayer for marriages. That's our prayer for all of us going forward. And if you've had a year of feeling homeless, then let's just realize that Jesus is our home. <laughs> and as we find our place in him, that is the ultimate in healing. So Merry Christmas, everybody, and we will see you again in 2021.